Hello, this is your Between the Pints co-host, Ryan Moses. This is part two of this week's episode. Check the feed for part one. Spoiler warning for this episode, Aaron, Barry, and I go deep into Black Panther. Enjoy. All right, well, Barry, thanks for, uh, for being on to talk a little bit about Black and Crafty. Appreciate it. Uh, now on to the, I guess, the main event. Like, is that, is that what we're going to call it? It's kind of a big deal this week. Find up forever. Yeah, Wakanda forever! Oh, man. The movie was so good. All right, so Black Panther, guys. Uh, Ryan, when did you go see it? Uh, Lee and I went Friday night. Went to the Cinemark on Monroe Road. It was... Dude, we plug that theater so much, man. It's got a bar in it, (laughs) and they serve, like, local craft beer. So, yes, we plug that theater a lot. Yeah, I ain't gonna lie, I saw the same place. (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm out in Ballantine, so I went to uh, Cinnabar. So I went to Cinnabar. I'm uh, new. I, I don't know all I, the places. I, I, I get it, man. You know, just so gonna I be just... cool like a Cinnabar's where that Cinnabar's all right. Don't get me yeah. wrong, because we're gonna I'm gonna get like a letter or something from the buyer over there. It'd be like, dude, what are you doing, blowing us up on your podcast? Like, Cinnabar's all right, but Cinnabar's where it's at, man. <laughs> but yeah, we went Friday night, and it was. I'm surprised that I think the time we went it wasn't as full as I thought it would be, which it, the theater was pretty full, but it wasn't like everybody was standing in line to get in. But Dude, was, I went at noon on a Sunday, and it was packed. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I have a feeling it was just the time like, that we went. packed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, there was, like, a line to get in the theater for a matinee. Nice. <laughs> like, it was incredible. Like, like it took me a solid, like, 15 minutes to get a soda and a candy bar. <laughs> And, and, and I was okay with that. Like, and everybody was tickled pink, and it was wonderful to yeah. see, man. Like, yeah. for the longest time, uh, I've been saying this for a long time. Like, you've had a lot of superhero movies get made, a lot of superhero media, and my wife will tell you every time you see one of these real. And I'm a huge comic books nerd. Like, yeah, th- this has been for huge. years and years. You, yourself as yes, well, super huge. Yeah. So, like, I every time we get some one of these real obscure characters like freaking Batrock the Leaper in Captain America 2 like I'd just turn to my wife I'd be like we still ain't gotten Wonder Woman or Black Panther yet That that's a problem yeah and when Wonder Woman came out I said this is huge oh, you mean this the, is important the two of the best comic book movies to come along have been Wonder Woman and yeah, Black amazing. Panther yeah amazing yeah but uh, <laughs> a superhero movie starring a woman or an African American guy or not African American but a uh, you know, person of African descent those aren't going to sell Those yeah. people aren't going to show up for those there's no market for those uh, yeah I think the numbers would definitely say otherwise I think it was the fifth largest opening weekend yeah. of any yeah. movie ever that's yeah I ain't small. And the largest in <laughs> February. The largest, the largest February. in February. Yeah. I yep. outdid Deadpool, which was a, a great movie. That yeah. was a fantastic. By the way, Deadpool 2 looks I, hilarious. I can't, wait. <laughs> cannot wait for that movie. I was one of those, like, like I, listen, I liked Ryan Reynolds before it was cool. But, yeah, we're getting way <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're getting way off base here. But, uh, yeah. So, what did you think, Ryan? It was a great movie. And uh, there's a couple things I liked about it. First, as you both know, the comic book origin story movie is basically that template. You can recite that template in your sleep. And I will say this did not quite do... This was a slightly different kind of origin story yeah. because whereas most origin stories within the first act, the character gets his powers. We start off with Chala. He is the Black Panther at the beginning of the movie. And the most of the origin of this movie is how does Wakanda 
elevated. It's the origin story yeah. of Wakanda. Yeah. With regards yeah. to the wider world. And, yeah. And not only does he already have his powers, he's part of a lineage. Yeah. yeah. This goes back. Yes. And I think that's one of the things, like your average superhero story. And it's one of the reasons why Black Panther historically, in addition to the obvious, has been difficult for the comic book industry to write. Uh, you see some of the same problems with Aquaman, who is a surprisingly yeah. similar oh, character yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, characters who have all that baggage and who who aren't your average superhero story is kind of a story of empowerment. It's an right. everyman. It's a you're you're achieving this fantastic status, but you're just one of us. And for these characters who aren't like that, they are coming from power, and it's about how they use it. The industry has had a real hard time trying to capture that. And so I love that part of the movie, and I love the fact that the first section in Korea is basically a 006, is, is a James Bond movie. That's all it was. It was a James Bond caper from beginning to end, and it was awesome, which, by the way, Idris Elba should have been considered for the next James Bond, but maybe this I, will I, help that. Well, if he's not going to get the next Doctor in Doctor Who, because I've been advocating for that. I mean, Jody, don't get me wrong. Jodie Whittaker is going to be absolutely fantastic, but yeah. Idris Elba is like one of my favorite actors period yeah. and he's Britain's gift of the world and if Judy Dench is too old and and apparently he's not going to get it cuz he played Luther I mean come on give give the oh, guy James Bond Luther was so good Luther was so, so good man. <laughs> what else did I really uh, oh the soundtrack is of this movie is just ridiculous both the it was a smart Luke, idea yeah. to tap Kendrick to yeah. to do the original music for yeah. it the original music that Kendrick did and then just also the regular atmospheric soundtrack of the movie Fantastic. is also wonderful to listen to. Yeah, and, you got yeah. Kendrick Lamar, Vince Staples, Run the Jewels, some yeah. excellent atmospherics. Like, yeah, the, the top to bottom, the soundtrack yeah. was fantastic. So give, a little pe so give people a little bit of background on the character of Black Panther in case this is really their first exposure because there are plenty of people. Uh, he's a relatively obscure superhero in the sense yeah. that he's not Superman, he's not Batman, he's not... Uh, Captain America. I mean, he's he's even. I'd say he's even a little more obscure than Iron Man was because people forget before that first Iron Man movie, Iron Man was a relatively yeah. obscure comic book yeah. character for a lot of like the mainstream public. You know, he's a longtime member of the Avengers, as was Black Panther, yeah. but it wasn't a household name. Uh, it, I think that's definitely changed now. Yeah, but Black Panther was the first black superhero. 1966, uh, Fantastic Four, created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Uh, wasn't the first African American superhero because well he's not American but yeah that was it was truly yeah. revolutionary to have this character who was not only black was not only African uh, who was not only every bit as capable but more capable capable of taking on the entire Fantastic Four and coming out on top dissecting them one by one came from a uh, post colonial uh, African superpower these were mind-shattering ideas for yeah. your for your average comic book reader in the 1960s which again were largely young white middle-class Americans yeah that was yeah. a pr pretty just mind-bending idea so from there he kind of languished for a long time I uh, had a short run in Jungle Adventure which actually kind of as a solo series for a while it was a fantastic series but again it was mostly popular on college campuses uh, this is again like the 70s so you definitely had a lot of young excited uh, I guess not subversive but but more open and progressive yeah. minds that were really kind of interested in seeing something like this but as a character he really didn't come into his own until Christopher Priest took over the role yeah, in the 90s right. Dude, I can't speak enough about Christopher Priest's run. It's 
it's a shame to take this character who I absolutely love because Black Panther is one of my favorite superheroes has been for a while I mean Batman and Aquaman are my two favorite superheroes yes I'm one of like the four people who loves Aquaman <laughs> and Black Panther basically takes the best aspects of both for me but he, Black Panther's had like one good run but Christopher, Christopher Priest's run is one of the best comic book runs ever yeah. Ever, ever, ever. Just really established the characterization. Yeah. Didn't create Eric Killmonger, but all of the most meaningful stories involving him uh, came from Priest. Uh, Reverend Achebe, M'Baku, yeah. uh, pretty much all these characters, the heart of Wakanda, really what we see reflected in this movie came from Priest. Unfortunately, he was followed by Reginald Hudlin, who was a trash comic book writer, <laughs> who did a... Terrible, terrible run and undid pretty much everything Priest did, in my opinion. I got some strong feelings on Hudlin. <sighs> but after that, they've really started to recover the character yeah. a little bit. Uh, sure, he had a, a role as Black Panther for a while. Yeah. Now the, the series is still going on. It, they're really doing some great things with him. I think you're starting to see as these characters blow up in the movies, that does reflect back to the yeah. comics and, and far as what gets uh, proper treatment. And one of my... Other recommendations at the end of the show will be something involving Tanahasi Coates. Yeah, phenomenal so, writer. Yeah, phenomenal. But yeah, and like you said, it's it was a character that was created at a specific time for I think Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, who continues to make sure he is in every one of his movies. Every <laughs> and I love that. But yeah, it was a character created at a time that. I don't know if they quite... I think they knew what they were doing, but I don't think they quite understood what the... If they did it really well and did it right, how big and important that character really could be in the long run. It would have been so easy for them to just create like a Luke Cage who, yeah. you know, these days is a great character in and of himself, but people forget, like, yeah. that was black exploitation, the comic, for a yes. long <laughs> time. <laughs> Yeah, it took him a long... It really took until Brian Michael Bendis in the early 2000s to develop Luke Cage into something that truly had some yeah. substance. Yeah. And now we're looking at this fifth largest opening of all time, this massive movie uh, starring an incredible character, and it's, just, it's, it's wonderful to see that even if he kind of languished, at least they didn't screw it up. Yeah. And it would have been so easy to do. And the other, the other thing that I like about the movie is you mentioned Killmonger, and I think... That's one of the other tropes of comic book movies is the movie is going to only be as good as the villain. If you well get said. the villain wrong, well the rest said. of the movie is not going to make any sense. Like, the reason everybody loves Dark Knight from Batman... Heath Ledger Joker. Heath, Heath Ledger, Ledger as Joker, it just... He completely takes over the movie. Tom Hardy's Bane. Dark, yeah. Knight, Dark Knight Rises has issues. No yeah. one was there for Christian Bale. No. They're there for Tom Hardy's Bane. And the villain, and the if you do the villain right, the villain is literally just a mirror of the hero. And the villain has that one, he has one fatal flaw that lets the hero win. But when you look at them side by side, like at the end of this movie, they're looking at the sunset, and they're sitting beside each other, and you're like, these are, except for one for one moment in these two characters' lives, these they could be literally brothers yeah. sitting there. Instead, they're adversaries, and because of that one moment, and it's yeah, that last scene with those two is yeah, it's beautiful, yeah. poetic. Yeah, and then when he says yeah, bury, yeah, bury me in the ocean with the rest of with my ancestors because that's yeah, 
I think every theater when they, when he says that line, everybody in the theater loses it. Because you get where he's coming from. Oh, yeah. yeah, and that's one thing I respect the hell out of in this movie is yeah. they didn't shy away from the implications of a Wakanda. Yeah, if a Wakanda exists, it raises questions. It raises potential answers. It yeah. ra- it, it forces a hard look into uncomfortable topics uh, for everybody involved. Yeah. They and don't they, make did a very good job of touching on those. They explored the morality of isolation versus intervention, of the social responsibility of a place that has... Uh, okay, going back to Reginald Hudlin's run, because he's a trash writer, uh, he has one point where he talks about Wakanda having the cure for cancer, and they just refuse to share it with the rest of the world because they don't think the rest of the world deserves it. And he treats that entirely as if that's, of course, yeah, they don't have to do that. And to see yeah. them address that in a, a much more nuanced yeah, and socially yeah. responsible way in this movie and, and cover some of the, the questions about our greater society, the way that we've you know treated people of color historically, and also if you do have this nation of people of color, what responsibility do they have, if any, and if so, what can they do uh, out in the wider world to make it a better place for everybody and to help balance those scales a little bit? They make... One of the, they make Killmonger's anger, both from a personal standpoint and from a larger social standpoint. Yeah. You understand it, and they don't dumb it down like you said. They, yeah, you understand it. You know why he's angry. They you don't want on. him to win, but you, I get you it. Understand? Yes, part of what he's saying is actually absolutely correct. Yeah, and that's the other. Like again, that's why if the villain sucks in a superhero movie, the movie sucks. The movie's gonna suck, basically. Yeah, and that's with. Pretty straightforward. Michael B. Jordan, who I've loved since he played Wallace, which another recommendation I will have. We'll go back to that. Played Wallace in The Wire. I get it, Ryan. I got to watch The Wire every episode, man. Every episode. He played Wallace, then he played Vince in Friday Night Lights, another one of the best shows ever. And then he goes on to do Fruitvale Fruitvale Station and Creed and... Decree was such yeah. a good movie. Oh, Unfortunately, he was also in Fantastic Four. Yes, that movie. We, we don't talk about that. Yeah. Movie was never made, man. Well, that, <laughs> the way all the actors are involved. I don't blame doing, any of the actors yes. in that. That, that, that was a, a great cast spoiled by yeah, just it, a terrible movie. Yeah, the whole Kate like, Mara, man. Like she, she's a fantastic actress, yeah. and she just was wasted in that movie. Yeah, if you look at the like. I want to see the oral history of that movie because it sounds like it would be hilarious. I did a little re- <laughs> like did a little reading on it because it was such a freaking abomination. Like, like, like that thing was just so bad. I, like I, I can't remember off the like enough off the top of my head to really speak at length. But it was a tr- it was a it was troubled train wreck, yeah. train wreck almost oh, from day one. Yeah. But Michael B. Jordan is like you said, your wife Kristen wants to leave you for him. Oh, dude, right, like, right now she <laughs> loves that man. Loves that man. Like, there's a scene in the movie where literally he's sitting there getting ready to fight T'Challa in ritual combat, takes off his shirt, covered in ritual scarring, and all I hear from the seat next to me is, oh, God. <laughs> I'm like, all right. It's that kind of movie. All right. <laughs> but, then, but that does bring in another thing. Like, the other thing is all the female characters in this movie are also equally as strong. And equally as important as all the male characters in this movie. Lupita, man. 
Oh, Love Lupita, you. Lupita, man. Like, like, <laughs> like, let's just talk about the cast in general. The, ca- the cast of this movie, and, and it makes total sense. I mean, you have a movie. I think everybody knew how important this movie was yeah. and, and what this movie would mean. So they really did kind of have their pick of any any black actor or actress that they wanted. And boy, did they pick well. Yeah. Sweet Jesus. You get Lupita, you get Angela Bassett. You, yeah. I mean, Chadwick Boseman himself. I mean, he's relatively young in his career, but the man is just so damn talented. Yeah. Michael B. Jordan, who is really riding his star high right now. And they managed to even pull from, a you know, just jumping across the, the trail a little bit. Pulling Martin Freeman is always a great thing. Yeah. Uh, Andy Serkis killed it as Claw. He was hamming it up and then some. How, I've, I will ride for Andy Serkis ever since I saw The Hobbit in those movies. I'm like, how did he not get nominated? Oh, he for, he did get nominated, but did he get nominated for an Oscar? I think it was for like like some sort of like visual effects. It was it was yeah, it wasn't yeah, an acting one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which was such yeah. a shame because he gave that character life. Yeah. Does the same thing here, man. He takes a character who like just to spoil some things for you guys. Yeah. Claw's dead halfway through the movie, <laughs> if that. I was surprised. I was yeah. too. I said, wait, he's not even gonna make it back to Wakanda. Like he's not even gonna make it back. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be him and Killmonger kind of kind of going throughout the movie because in the comics that's that's the one and the two. Yeah, that's the Joker and the Two Face. Yeah. Those are the two defining villains. I like villains. the twist, though. Like, I, I did like that. that. I didn't see it coming. I was yeah. like, okay. I thought yeah. it was a bold move, and I, I think they made a few choices in the movie that I thought were necessary. Again, considering how important it is. Like in in the comic books, uh, Everett K. Ross is the viewpoint character. Yeah. For your average comic book reader, because your average comic book reader, going back, I've, I've used comic books as a reference point for craft beer a lot of times because yeah. it's the same, the same demographic, yeah. guys yeah. who look exactly like me. So Everett K. Ross was created by Christopher Priest, going back to by far the greatest Black Panther run of all time, as that viewpoint character. It helped tie Wakandan culture and yeah. act as that kind of reference point so it didn't feel like exposition. It felt like he was learning about that stuff alongside us. Yeah. They didn't lean on him that heavy in this movie. Yeah, I get why. Uh, they didn't have Claw act as a, a side-by-side equal villain with Killmonger. I get why. This was a movie that needed to have that black focus, yeah. and I thought they did an excellent job, and it felt organic as hell, man. Like, it, it worked. Everything worked. I'm, I'm sitting here laughing because I'm just thinking about the when they get to South Korea and Claw comes out and they get out of all the SUVs, and he looks at him and goes, when is your album coming out on SoundCloud? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I'll give you the link. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was just such a weird funny line because that's literally what they look like a crew coming out of their SUVs they, they really do too <laughs> man oh. but yeah that claw is yeah I was surprised when claw died and like you said I understand exactly why they did it and they did it also to set up Killmonger's like he's got one mission in his life and he shoots his girlfriend and he kills claw and because he's gonna complete this mission and that's it yeah it doesn't matter. He has matter. no other priorities. Yeah, he has no other priorities. He's going to go and he's going to become the king of Wakanda and he's going to set all dark peoples around the world free. Is basically what he's there to do. And yeah, they, he killed in the way they killed when he killed Claw and then he brings the body and shows the other guys like this is why you should follow me cuz I did this thing that Chala and his father could not do for the last 30 years. Which by the way, they just made an Aquaman movie real tough if they want to pull out Black Mana because that was Black Mana's motivation for like 40 freaking years in comics. (laughs) I never tied together how close those characters were, but damn, like explains why I like them both. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, just I don't even know where to start with this movie. Like, 
Uh, I'm glad they brought in M'Baku. Like, yeah. I, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a firm believer everything in comics is better with more monkeys. Uh, <laughs> any character related to gorillas, apes, chimpanzees, monkeys, I'm going to love. And I have had a soft spot for Man-Ape. He has been like my undercover favorite supervillain for a long time because he's the most ridiculous character. He's just a dude who walks around wearing a white gorilla skin, yep. calls himself yep. Man-Ape with a hyphen and everything. <laughs> and <laughs> to see him brought in and actually even given a semi-prominent role. In a funny role at that. Oh, <laughs> I loved it, man. Oh, dude, I was I was dying. I was just so happy because you. I knew they couldn't build a movie with him as the main villain. It's just too comic book cheesy. Yeah. But I'm glad they still build a role out for him. Another great line. Is like, if you say another word, I will kill you and feed you too much children. Ah, uh, just joking. We're vegetarians. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was dying. What do you think, Barry? So I actually called a matinee, and it was pretty empty. <gasps> I loved it for that. <laughs> um, but I, the movie—I mean, I keep telling people this that you're gonna have to watch it again. Yeah, I'm like go right it now, sometimes. it's like yeah. I think our excitement was so high that was some things that we really probably didn't even catch it like yeah. went over our heads but when you watch this movie again in the comfort of your own home however it may be or if you go back there's gonna be things that you absolutely did not realize the first yeah. time I mean because it just was layered so well yeah. um, I love the fact that women have such a powerful role yeah. in this movie I mean um, and like you said they were equally as as strong as as smart as intelligent um, I love that they display Wakanda and the technology just like the comics, like you were saying. Like, I couldn't have envisioned it any better in a lifelike manner than that. It was a very faithful um, adaptation. Oh, man. Um, there were some things that, um, you know, no one's given any criticism at all to the movie. Everyone's yeah, like, yeah, it's been yeah. great, it's been great, it's been great. A lot of folks, um, I mean, I think part of that's just the general hype and, and yeah, recognition yeah, of how yeah. important it is. And there's probably an element of just, you know... Let, let it have its time in the sun before you start breaking it down first. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, there were some parts where I was like, eh, just, that just don't, it don't flow well with me. The, the pacing was my one thing I took away from, especially like the first half of the movie. Yeah, yeah. the pacing was kind of like, okay, we started here and then we have to stretch. They had a lot to cover, man. Yeah, yeah and that's part of the reason I think leaning on Everett Ross or some equivalent character would have helped. Because they had a lot to introduce, yeah, a lot of, and early on, yeah. you you are trying to just catch up. Catch up yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I you know I, I think it was a great film. Um, I think it ended ended well. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot that uh, they left open. There's a lot and of places they can go with that's this. That's where I enjoyed it the most. The hardest like, thing they're gonna have is just he has a real shallow rogues gallery. So and they used all three. Like Reverend yeah. Achebe is about the only villain he has they haven't used already. Right. So they're gonna have to get creative. But there's always Namor. Like he he battles with Namor, a, like the Submariner, yeah, a, a lot, lot in the yeah. comics, and he has not been introduced once in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You want to see a fun battle to watch? I, I would pay a lot to watch that movie. I also want to know if they're going to eventually, if we can, oh, for the comic book junkies and us, if we could, <laughs> if we could get Storm in there. I'm not going to lie. When he was diving in and the scene where Okoye was saying, don't freeze, I yes. was like, is this going to be like a reference to Aurora? <laughs> I like, I was, I was waiting for it. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah, I was, I was really waiting for it. 
So it's it's still open. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to allow her to, because uh, a lot of people don't know that whole correlation between Storm and Wakanda and Black yep. Panther. So I think that'll be very interesting if they allow, especially since she hasn't gotten much. And they own the property uh, now. Yeah, they own that. Yeah, now. they. So that's, Marvel now owns X Men, so, so that's bought, possible. Oh, they did buy the X Men back. Yeah, yeah, they got yeah, X Men back, back from Fox. So uh, yeah, that that's definitely something they could make happen now, and that's that's significant and give it yeah i mean it, it would be just a compliment you know to what's already been great in this film is being able to see the, the storm character done right you know get her yeah. justice because she's she's just as powerful as, as a, all the x-men and you the, know and um yeah, mega i level think it'd mutant. be great to see we really want to do a deep dive on on nerdum yeah she's a uh, mega level mutant man like, <laughs> i'd love to see it what i'm gonna be interested in is seeing the next Avengers movie because it's gonna have to, a huge it chunk of that's so gonna good. have to be in Wakanda. Yeah. Especially they set up, you know, if you for stay the for the post credit yeah. scenes, yeah, they set up Bucky. with Bucky staying yeah. there. They use the White Wolf name for him because I told Chris I was like the only, all right they didn't have Reverend Achebe and they don't have White Wolf, which is like his other big villain. I like that aspect of his character. For those of you who don't know, in the comics, T'Challa actually has a white adopted brother. brother his yep. older brother, his uh, family, I think it was a plane crash, crashed in Wakanda. T'Chaka found the baby, he was the only survivor, raised him as his own, and he becomes the leader of the Wakandan secret police. Yep. Name like White Wolf, you're assuming there's some sort of racial angle. That, that's not it in the comics at all. It's literally he just happens to have a white older brother who runs this like Gestapo organization that T'Challa is trying to abolish. Abolish, yeah. And it turns into some, some huge stuff. I get, again, I get why they stayed away from that. That would have been real hard to add to the dialogue <laughs> of this movie. But I, I think it was a nice touch uh, throwing that in at the end there with Bucky. Yeah. So. Yeah. And like I said, that will be interesting. And what other thing that will be interesting is what is the next Black Panther movie going to be like? Because, like you said, this you know, the tag scene at the end where he's in front of the UN, and the guy's like, "Well, what can a with nation all due of, respect, what yeah. does a nation of farmers have to offer the world?" And he just like looks at him and smiles just slightly, and you're like, "Oh, this is going to be fun." Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have vibranium, and we have better technology than any other country on the earth. That's what we can bring to the table. Yeah, yeah, we're we're kind of the most powerful country <laughs> yes. on this planet. But you know, no big deal. No big deal. Dude, uh Okoye was absolutely fantastic. The the Dora Milaje are awesome, man. Yes. yes. They did them right. Like yeah. they uh, Okoye was my favorite character in the movie. Like not a funny character, but she throws out those like little quips every so often and just like she makes the comedic moments throughout the movie. And I will say as a person who doesn't watch um Walking Dead, like the wig joke. It like went over my head for a second, but then I was like, then I was like, we got finished with the movie. And I was like, I looked at her up and I was like, oh yeah, she's Michonne in The Walking Dead. All right, now that joke is even funnier. Yes. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's basically made a career out of playing badasses, man. Yeah. Oh, and I actually watched an interview with her last night, and she's a ridiculously intel. She's a very well thought of playwright in her own right. She's put, oh, wow. yeah, she's put uh, plays on. In New York, on off Broadway, she's gotten awards for them. She's and she went to her parents taught at Grinnell College in Iowa before they moved back to Zimbabwe when she was five. So she's yeah, Iowa, Zimbabwe, basically the same place, you know. Yeah. And then she moved back to the United States for college and went to McAllister in in Minnesota. Sweet Jesus. Yeah, she's well traveled. Yeah, she then she went to the Tisch School for acting. So she's like, in yeah, she's ridiculous. And the interview I saw last night on it, it 
it's a really great interview. She's a really interesting person to hear talk about her journey and her ideas on art and stuff. Yeah. And I do watch Walking Dead, man. And, and she, because I read the Walking Dead comics way before the, the series even came out, and she kills that role. Yeah. Like, that more than any other character in that show, they literally just took directly out of the comics, put it in the show, and she. I don't think they could have cast anybody who could have pulled that off the same way yeah. she did. Yeah, she she is absolutely fantastic. My favorite character in the movie. Yeah. That's what Leah asked, who was my favorite character. I was like, yeah, the general. Cause. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And my fa- actually, my favorite line is, like, after uh, Killmonger is, quote, unquote, killed T'Challa, and her sister is coming to ask her to help him leave the country and raise resistance. She's like, I'm not loyal to the person in that throne. I'm loyal to the throne. And that's one of those in this current political climate in the real world that it's an interesting question and an interesting thing to have someone say because there's a lot of people who in real life are who think exactly that like the person in the white house is not who i support i support the actual office of the president not that person oh yeah and so i'm gonna do things to make sure that the country and the office are successful regardless of who this orange-haired weirdo we have as president is yeah, it's a, it's a question of, uh, it's, it's the classic D&D lawful good situation. Yeah. Am, am I more lawful or am I more good? Am I trying to do the right thing or am I trying to do, am I trying to follow the, the rules yeah. and strictures that are laid out? It, it's, it's a relevant moment in a relevant yeah. movie. Yeah. You know, I'm very interested after watching the movie that I just don't, it don't there weren't any kids, kids in the movie until the end, right? Until the end, yeah. Yeah, hardly any. And, um... It's right at the beginning and right at the end. Really. Yeah, right yeah, at the beginning and right yeah. at the end. So I don't know if that was just done on purpose, but it's very rare for a Marvel movie to. They do tend to touch on just children and the way yeah. children yeah, react to superhero. Yeah. Even in yeah. even in like Batman Begins, you get that scene with uh, the future King Joffrey with the binoculars. He's hanging out his window. The other kids aren't going to believe <laughs> me. Yeah. See now, look what you did, Christian Bale. Yeah. You wound up and gave your uh, super goggles to King Joffrey. Thought, you you know. broke Westeros, man. <laughs> but no, yeah, it, it was interesting. They treated this as an adult movie an adult within movie. a character yeah. who was treated that you could take your kids to, though. Like, yeah, that's, oh that's yeah, yeah. There was nothing inappropriate yeah, in the I movie, uh, and I think part of it too. I think this plays back on the fact that this isn't a power fantasy story. This isn't. I'm discovering my powers because that's what a, a lot of superheroic stories. Yeah. When you really think about them, they're a good metaphor. Uh, kind of ultimately culminated in Shazam of I'm a kid, I feel powerless, and one day I'll be an adult and I'll have power. And yeah. superhero stories act as kind of a capsulization of that. Not Black Panther. Uh, he's one yeah. of those few characters who really represents an adult character with adult responsibilities above and beyond i just want to do good like he has an entire country that falls back on him which means that sometimes he does bad things he has to you see the same thing with namor same thing with aquaman same thing with dr doom in in a in a much darker mirror sort of way which is again why dr doom is as much a black panther villain as he is a fantastic four villain in a lot of ways that that goes back to the line that his father tells him when he goes to the ancestral plane he's like it's hard to be a good man and be king at the same time because you, sometimes you will have to do things like, like the like I will hold this is the one thing we will not spoil. Like the one thing he has to do at, kind of at the beginning of the movie, that T'Chaka has to do at the beginning of the movie that sets up 
I love the fact, Killmonger. by the way, that we're spoiling the end without spoiling the beginning. We're yes. like, we're, we're not going to spoil yeah. this moment <laughs> yeah. that happens 30 seconds into the movie. <laughs> but let me tell you about how it ends. Yeah. But by the way, I didn't know Sterling K. Brown was going to be in the movie. And then he shows up and he does the voice narration at the beginning. And I couldn't, like, I didn't know that was him doing the narration at the beginning until after the movie. Because even though I love him and I've seen him and everything he's done, and then he just, like, shows up in that first few scenes. And cause I was literally like, is that Sterling K. Brown? The first time I saw him, I was like, <laughs> oh, wait, that is Sterling K. Brown. This is going to be good. But, yeah. I yeah. I love that you weren't convinced it was going to be good until you saw Sterling K. Brown. You're <laughs> like, I'm, I'm still not sure about this movie. This could, uh, be, this could go either way. Oh, Sterling K. Brown? Oh, no, no, this is going to be all right. This is going to be all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As a comic fan, were you excited to see that challenge go down the way it did? Which one? Uh, with Killmonger. The first, the yeah, first, first one. I, I was, because in the comics, they pretty well established that he is the better fighter of the two of them. Yeah. Like, he, he is, in a lot of ways, it's like how the constant thing is if Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor is smarter, in a smarter, lot of ways, yeah. better than Superman at everything. The problem is he gets in his own way, and if he could just stop obsessing over Superman, Lex Luthor could fix the world. Yeah. Uh, and his constant thing is, if only I had the powers of Superman, I could fix the world. Yeah. It's a very similar relationship. Killmonger's whole thing is, if I was king of Wakanda, I could fix everything. And really, he could do so much good if instead of hyper-focusing on, I need the throne, I need the throne, I need the throne, he just focused on doing right. Right. And I, I did love to see that happen. And I, I mean, it's obviously nice to see T'Challa get his licks in, but yeah, I love the way they portrayed that whole thing. I right. like the fact that he came out on top. I thought it was appropriate. It did a lot to keep it's tempting a lot of times, even in the comics. It's kind of the Captain America problem. You got to show Captain America losing. People hate showing Captain America losing. Uh, it's it. yeah, you have to show Black Panther losing. People hate showing Black Panther losing. So it, it was a good way of kind of throwing that in there, showing that he does still have vulnerabilities, even with this super suit, even with all these abilities, even being maybe the smartest dude on the planet. He's still not invincible. And the other thing I like is how Ross describes what Killmonger is doing is like, yeah, this is basically like this is what we do in the CIA. We go into a country, we completely yes. disrupt the flow of how the government and the society works, and then we make sure that you cannot that the that the next leader cannot come from. Yeah, you, you, we, you disrupt the chain yeah. of command, and you make it so that there can be no leaders after you. Yes, but and, that yeah. unity there was so important for the movie too, between. Uh, Russo and the, you know, the the women to come together yeah. to try to oh, make yeah, that yeah. work. Like, and I think that was one of the other beautiful things. Like, yeah, it, this is T'Challa's movie, and yeah, he kind of saves the day in a real sense. But to save T'Challa and even give him the opportunity, you yeah. got, you know, some some strong female characters who it's their plan, their idea. As far as they knew, T'Challa was dead, dead yeah. and they were still gonna fight. Yeah. And I thought that was, it didn't feel forced. It felt organic, and it felt like the way it should be. And they did such a good job. Uh, Letitia Wright, I think this is like her first movie. Yeah. She was playing Shuri, Shuri. and she oh, yeah. killed it, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Very different character than she was in the comic books. I don't think we're going to see this one ever, like, take over as Black Panther for a while. And see, but. I was, uh, I, as the nerd in me, I was like, wait, she may actually, she but, might but it become. And I was yeah. like, 
Ah, uh, they're not gonna do it. She's not quite. Uh, she's not quite a. Because I mean, in, com- in the comics, yet in the comics, she's the hard ass of the two of them. In this one, she's definitely the more easygoing, more more tech minded one. But I, I get why they did that. That, that. I thought that was an organic one that really yeah. kind of worked. They turned her into an awesome character yeah, either yeah. way. And again, that goes back to my. This is a James Bond movie because she plays Q or M. The tech, the tech master in the James Bond movie. Oh yeah, yeah, Q. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Q. No, she is. She, she's playing Q. Like, here are your gadgets. Yeah. That scene where he uh, <laughs> kicks the suit. Is he like? What? what yeah, yeah, he's I'm asking gonna, like, why this. are you recording this? Oh, just for I, research. <laughs> we all knew it was coming. It didn't matter. We all laughed. <laughs> oh yeah. man, that's so good. Yeah, uh, Lupita's uh, Ngasi. Um, she, she, she's just great in everything, man. Yes. She, she is great in everything. Yeah. There's actually a. I want those energy chakram things that she had. The uh, those are cool as shit. The uh, circle blades oh, yeah. that she circle was blades. using. Yeah, has like the. Did you see a couple of those scenes? Like literally, it's got like the blade in the middle suspended by like a force field. She throw that, throw the other one, catch them both, and like circle <laughs> back in her hands. It was such small things. I was like, I just want a whole movie of her killing people with those things. Uh, my wife's favorite character, aside from Michael B. Jordan, not the character, the actor, uh, <laughs> uh, was the 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 war rhinoceroses. War rhinos were awesome, dude. They were awesome. There was no reason to have them. I didn't care. They were awesome. I like they, like he comes up to her and he the rhino stops and she and just licks her face. <laughs> it's mommy. I'm gonna lick her face. Oh, <laughs> loved everything about it, man. All right. Well, I guess uh, we should probably throw some beer pairings on here just so we can justify having talked about Black Panther for the last half hour. Okay, I'll start because mine is pretty simple because I got to the movie theater and like I said, it has a bar. Walked up to the bar and I saw one of my favorite beers of all time, which happens to be the Black Mocha Stout from Highland. I wonder how this relates to the movie. So I was like, Black Mocha Stout. Watch Black Panther. I'm the winner here. I'm just going to go ahead and buy this and (laughs) get in my seat and enjoy this beer. But the other one was the Westbrook Black Panther. Siberian, Siberian Black, Black Magic Panther. Panther. Yes. Mm. That beer is so good, dude. That's so good. <laughs> like, some of Westbrook's super hyped up beers, like, I'm Mexican Biscotti Cake, a couple of their others, like, like their whole Mexican cake series is good. I don't think it's quite worth the hype. No, it's not. Siberian Black Magic Panther is <laughs> definitely worth the hype, yes, man. It it, it's sweet, it's big, it's boozy, but that is just tasty as hell. It yep. reminds me of the best years of like sexual chocolate from Foothills, which is another great, great uh, Imperial Stout here in that North just Carolina. Dropped again, right? Yeah, yeah, it just dropped. This year is very licorice man. Like yeah, it's very it's, licorice very chocolatey. It's not... I didn't, I didn't like this year. I didn't year's. like it as much. Yeah, and that's usually one of my favorite beers on the year. I did not care for this year's that much. Yeah. Uh, Panther Porter from Rheingeist out of Cincinnati, Ohio. For people who ain't in the Midwest, Rheingeist is not only the largest, but also pretty much the fastest growing brewery in Cincinnati, one of the fastest growing in Ohio. Uh, great brewery. If you ever get there, it's in a neighborhood called OTR, Over the Rhine. It's the uh, traditional German neighborhood in Cincinnati. Used to be the most place most likely to get shot. Now it's kind of the hipster <laughs> neighborhood. Uh, it's really, really turned pretty cool. They have an old warehouse up there. Taproom's huge. They do a full farmer's market and art fair in there on, on a regular basis. Definitely worth checking out. They actually have a Skyline Chili in the place. Which, if you've never been to Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati chili, imagine spaghetti with ground beef and like a chili sauce that involves cinnamon and chocolate. It, it's one of those, yeah, no, 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 believe me, like the, the looks people give me when I t- describe this to them, like it's one of those things that you either love or hate. Most people hate, but I love it. Yeah, definitely check them out. But their Panther Porter is just a standard American Porter. It is 
smooth, delicious, easy drinking. Definitely worth uh, checking out, even especially if you're ever up in that area. Definitely check it out in the tap room. Uh, also, the Stay Goal by Interborough and Run oh, the Jewels, yes. and they did various collaborations. Like they did one with Burial in Asheville, which is real close to us. That, that beer is just a fantastic IPA. You would think a music and beer collaboration. They probably have just gone for a safe light lager, or even just a safe West Coast style IPA. Yeah. Keep it real basic. Now they just turned out a fantastic IPA. I think it was named like one of the five best IPAs last year in the country. Yeah, so glad I got my hands yeah. on it. Yeah, that so was glad. definitely good. And that definitely ties in with the soundtrack, too, because uh, Run the Jewels is prominently featured. Legend Has It from them was uh, one of the trailer songs, yep. alongside Bag Back by Vince Staples. Uh, that was just a uh, – yeah, it, it, it's the perfect kind of beer for why you're at least getting hyped up for the movie. And just the African Amber by Mac and Jacks out in Washington. Uh, I mean, if we're, it was about the only beer I've had that – I. Wanted to recommend an African beer, but I've had Tuscan, I've had St. John's, and they're both terrible. So I wanted something that at least tied into that. And the African Amber is a real solid uh, hazy amber. It's a classic beer on the West Coast. They've been around for quite a few years. Uh, they're one of the larger breweries on the West Coast. So definitely worth checking out if you get out that way. How about yourself, Barry? Uh, I think I stay pretty local. Um, I went. But, but you're brand new, man. I know, I know, I know. But I, that's why I'm... I'm been trying everything since I've gotten out here. <laughs> Still new um, to me, man. And actually, I think both of them are probably pretty, pretty good. Uh, the first one, I, I do have a stout, but I, I'll save that for the second. Uh, I went with the Starfruit Tart from As Clown. Um, actually had that Drink on one, flight. don't be one. Oh, man. It was, uh, it was robust, flavorful. Um, nothing about this beer... Um, was on a low end, and, uh, and nothing about any of their beers. It's, I, I mean, yeah, I really their, their beers do one of two things, and I know, <laughs> I know, freaking Dan or Wes are gonna like reach out to me after this. One of two things, I think they know it too. It's either really good or it's really bad. I've, yeah, yeah I, it's a coin flip on every single thing. They just kind of throw shit at a wall and see what sticks. And and I love the guys there. Their tap room is tiny but awesome. But yeah, it, it's it's they're all over the place. So, yeah, out of Cornelia, so I'm glad I uh, experienced that. And then uh, the lovely ladies of Bold Missy, they uh, conquered the route. Uh, went with that, that stout, oatmeal that stout. chocolate yeah. stout, man. I was uh, I'm really glad I was able to try that. Um, hard to find, but when I finally got my hands on it, you know. And they're going to be reformulating that a little. Okay. But I think of all the ones that kind of pre-exist Carly, their current brewer, that's the one that's going to stay closest to home. That okay. That is uh, – I'll be honest. That was like the one good beer they had prior to Carly taking over yeah. brewing, and she, since then she's changed up all the recipes. I don't know what else you've had from them, but they that was my first introduction. And and check, I check them out. Their beer I has gotten that beer very out, good um, because I I knew kind of the plot of the the movie and I knew how prominent the women would be um, in that movie. So they just went hand in hand when I was able to find a stout that you know kind of went together with the movie. Yeah, they have really, since they hired on Carly, we had her on the, was that the last episode we had yeah, on? Yeah, last I, episode. I don't yeah. even know what year it is right now. <laughs> yeah, we had her on the last episode. It's her uh, new brewer. They hired her in mid-December. Okay. And she, yeah, if you guys get a chance to try anything from Bold Missy, definitely check out their beer. It is so good now. And they have definitely jumped up to being one of my personal favorite places around town. Beautiful little tap room. And you drink it fresh out of the tap room, straight out of the tanks. Nothing wrong with that at all. Yep. All right. Any other recommendations, Ryan? All 
right, I'll do two more recommendations. The first is a book recommend- recommendation called All the Pieces Matter. The or- How do you read all these books, man? <laughs> I get tired reading the articles for this show. I'll, yeah, it's I'm kind of the same thing with my mother was a preschool teacher and the, everything we, we every Saturday we'd go to the library and I would buy I would get like four books and read them all so I've like I've been reading since the cradle so this week's book is all the, having read all these books I've read at least part of them like this one all the pieces matter it's the oral history of the wire mm-hmm. and it is I get it <laughs> I'm gonna watch it damn but it's just really good and one of the things I got out of this one is the casting director said and like I said, it applies to life in general. And said he believes that there is a part when he sees actors. He believes there is a part for every actor he sees in every show he does, even if it's just one line. In like the last episode of the season, he thinks of actors that way. So for me, it's like, like you said, there's a beer for everybody, and there's should be a place for everybody within craft beer if we just allow craft beer to have the vision to see that. And the other thing, the other recommendation will be the Still Processing podcast from the New York Times. This is a podcast with Wesley Morris and Jenna Wortham, and Wesley Morris is one of the best movie critics working, even though he doesn't do movies as much anymore, because he actually won a Pulitzer Prize for critiquing for movie critic for being a movie critic like five years ago. But they had Ta-Nehisi Coates on this their most recent episode Friday. And of course, they talked about Black Panther. And actually, one of the things that wait I, did that drop this week? Uh, uh, it's a little movie. It's <laughs> dropped this week. But they talked about it, and Wesley, he because he is is African American, and he's been through this, like the big African American movie coming out, and that if we don't go see it the first weekend, they will never make another African American movie again. So he was kind of like, yeah. I mean, that's that's, that's dire, man. Well, because he, yeah, actually, it was dire. interesting because he was like when Boomerang came out, he was like that was the way people thought. It's like if we don't go see Boomerang the first weekend it comes out, there will never be another African American romantic comedy ever made because they the people in power won't think that. I'll be honest. I'd be happy with there not being any rom coms ever again. So that that's, that's what I, was about to say. I love rom coms. <laughs> what are you talking? Yeah, about? I don't know. Yeah, do you really? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm not saying I ain't judging you right now, Ryan, but... <laughs> well, it's kind of... Well, it's, weirdly enough, it's kind of like comic book movies is that they're... Like, every rom-com basically has the same plot. So it that, just depends... It just depends on the actor, the director, and the writer to well, make Matthew it Matthew McConaughey good. is always the right choice for every movie. Yeah. Oh, God. And it's great in everything. <laughs> <laughs> but Wesley, it was just like... He went into the movie... All kind right, of hoping right, he would, right. yeah. <laughs> he would be kind of hoping he wouldn't like it, or kind of thinking he wouldn't like it because it was there was so much pressure and so much weight on this movie being good that he was actually afraid that it would not be good, and like hype backlash yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you see that yeah. beer all the time. Yeah, but and the one thing that I got from the Tommy Hatchy Coates interview is like you know he was just talking you know like in the last couple of years I've gotten kind of famous and I've done. And I've gotten to do a lot of stuff, and my wife is really cool, and and she doesn't really go into that stuff because, you know, she's known me since we were like eighteen. He was like, she said, he said, she looked at him and said, the only thing I want from your fame is for you to get us tickets to the Black Panther premiere. I don't care about anything else. I don't care about all the other stuff that you are able to get, but you will get us tickets for the Black Panther <laughs> premiere. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, like, yeah, that's what a wife would say. Like, yeah, some of those have like honey do yeah. lists. All he's got to do is get a ticket to the premiere, man. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, but oh, yeah. That's not bad. Yeah, those are my other two recommendations for the day. Uh, all right, so the only one I got is the TV show, well, Netflix series, Altered Carbon. Yeah, I do want to see that. Dude, it's so good, man. Like, the best way I can think to describe it is imagine Blade Runner cross with the first Matrix, not the second or third Matrix. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get yourself in that headspace. This one's good, I promise. It is absolutely fantastic. So to give it, it's based on a book series. To give a little uh, background without doing too deep a dive, because is is like Blade Runner or like the first Matrix, it's a very, uh, there's a lot of threads being pulled at the same time, so a lot of things to keep up with. But the basic idea is at some point in the future, we have the ability to basically encode a person's personality, you know, memories, everything that they are on a little chip called a stack that goes back at like the base of your neocortex. So Mm -hmm. like little little chip and, you know, let's say you get shot in the stomach and you bleed out. They can just take that out, pop you in a new body. They call body sleeves. And, you know, there you go. You wake up, you're good to go. They can either clone your old body or just throw it in somebody as somebody who, you know, some like pre grown body. Uh, so there's a difference between Very having West your world like, right? Yeah, yeah kind of similar. So there's a huge difference between having like your stack blown out, which they call real death, because once that's happened, they can't bring you back. Or just having your body die, which is, you know, it's inconvenient. You got to pay a mortgage on your new body, but it's not a huge <laughs> deal. Literally, yeah. <laughs> So it's it's not it's not a huge deal, and it just explores if people can't die anymore, how would this change society, and how would this change things like instead generational wealth, which is already a huge problem. What happens when the rich can't die, and oh, not wow. only that, they can afford the best bodies. Yeah. Not only that, a lot of the poor people can't afford bodies at all. So they die, when they die, uh, they, they, die. they die. Yeah, if nothing else, their stack just kind of goes into storage, whereas the rich can just pop back up it's an inconvenience so you get the divide between the one percent and the 99 percent becomes exaggerated to the fact where the one percent even literally live in skyscrapers that reach above the clouds they're not even on the ground with the rest of us and it's set within the framework of a freedom fighter who's trying to get rid of this system of stacks and sleeves completely trying to solve the murder of one of the of basically the richest guy on the planet he's brought back put into a new sleeve and it's exploring him trying to figure out who killed him because he had his stack blown out but he actually had a backup of his stack because he's so freaking rich he can afford (laughs) to do that and man it is one of the best tv series i've ever seen in my life i was going into it expecting to like it yeah but not be that wowed every single episode absolute edge of your seat it really makes you think both about things that are relevant today as well as uh, I, I like a lot of like dystopian futuristic kind of stuff because a lot of it does make you think about these social issues we have how they're right. affected by technology and how if we don't solve them now they will be continuing and exacerbated problems going forward yeah. and this really just accomplished all of that acting is fantastic across the board uh, one of the main characters actually the main character his previous body who does featuring quite extensively is actually played by Byron Mann who if you guys remember the 90s Street Fighter movie oh, starring yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme yeah. yes. that 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 terrible uh, oh. piece of turd on film uh, yeah the guy who played uh, Ryu in that, that he plays the main character's previous body and I didn't realize that guy's actually a fantastic freaking actor <laughs> Like that's like the only other credit he has, but apparently he's been holding on to just acting chops all these years. 
So yeah, it is it is definitely an excellent movie and definitely worth checking out. Cool. So all right. All right. Well, uh, where can we find Black and Crafty online? Do you have a uh, web store? Uh, so right now we do have a web store until the uh, 28th of February to the end of the month. Uh, we're on bonfire.com slash blackxcrafty. That's B-L-A-C-K-X-Crafty, C-R-A-F-T-Y. Um, I would say follow us on social media and the anniversary's coming up. We're going to you know get the site back up and running and things like that. So you can follow us on uh, Untapped. Start there, Black Ooh. X Crafty, um, and then also uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, we're also on Facebook, but Instagram and Twitter are the the big. I do kind of love how Untapped has become a very real social media outlet for the craft beer community. The bars yeah. are incorporating incorporating them in the TV, so you can yeah. s- walk in and watch, see what everyone's drinking there, and yep. they're like, "Oh, this must be popular." Boom! I can order it now. I love the yeah. fact that I, I can order it now. Yeah, like I, I, I wasn't it. ready to I, order I that really before, sure but if, that, if all but the cool kids are doing it, yeah, and yeah, yeah, no, and we'll be jumping off the bridge later. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be a great time. Yeah, <laughs> a wonderful thing. Well, thanks for being on the show, Barry. Thank you. For uh, anything me. else, Ryan? You got for us? None of that is it. All this right. episode should be up. Wednesday, maybe Thursday at the latest. I'm presuming so. they're gonna know when it's up if they're listening to it. <laughs> Just just throw, <laughs> throwing true. throwing that out there. <laughs> well, yeah, our next I haven't, ep- had, I haven't had a lot of sleep. So yeah, okay, yeah, again, it's Monday, <laughs> fairly early. Uh, I am going to say that our next episode is definitely going to be an important one, guys. Uh, that's going to be our coverage of diversity in craft beer. It's definitely going to be a little less uh, casual an episode. We're obviously going to try and have a few jokes, try to have a good time, and uh, you know, try to be our usual selves. But that is a big topic that's going to need unboxing and we would love to have you guys along for the ride on that it's something that needs spoken about needs spoken to and people definitely need to hear so definitely keep an eye out for that that'll be next wednesday if you listen to this yeah. see they don't know when that one's gonna be around <laughs> they don't know that, <laughs> that one will yet. be next wednesday or next thursday at the latest beautiful guys well thanks for joining us i uh, hope you guys have an excellent day hope you had a good time with us and Slancha, Chin Chin, Prost, Gambe, and most of all, bottoms up. Find it forever.